Hello and welcome to Muggle's Perspective. This is the Harry Potter podcast where you get to go through the experience once again of having it be the first time that you've read through the Harry Potter books. I am your host, Rogi, and with me right now is my friend Brayden. So the idea is that I found out about six months ago that Brayden knew nothing about Harry Potter, had never read through it, hadn't seen any of the movies or anything. So I wanted to take that opportunity to prey upon his lack of knowledge and impart the magic that is discovering the wizarding world again on all of you. So uh, welcome, Brayden. Hey guys, glad to be here. That is correct. I know almost nothing about Harry Potter. One of Rogi and I's first experiences hanging out together, he took me to like, it was a Harry Potter movie. It was mm -hmm. one of the like much farther along ones. So I had almost no idea what was going on. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. We went and saw Deathly Hallows Part 1 together. So for those of you that are not myself or Brayden. I was friends with Brayden's now wife, Hannah, really good friends with her in high school. And then he was added into the friend group through that relationship. So the two of them went with us because everyone has to go with me to every Harry Potter movie. And I whispered feverishly the entire time, okay, that, that's who this is. And well, he's a house elf. So I can't really explain all that, but just kind of uh, tried to talk him through it. So I was going to start with that. How much do you remember from that? What have you been spoiled on through anything else? Who, how many characters can you name, that kind of thing. Okay, so I do remember that Voldemort is, you know, the antagonist, the evil guy. Sure. Um, he's got a pretty screwed up looking nose, correct? He does, yes. Nose or lack thereof. Okay, yeah, yeah. that. I, ex um, I expected that. I mean, Harry Potter is such a pop culture phenomenon that you can't expect anyone to have never heard the name Voldemort before. So right. no worries about that. If nothing else, from like a meme or something. Mm -hmm. um, You'll have so, to be careful now on social media. You cannot get spoiled on anything. Honestly, I'm not on a lot of social media to begin with. So True. that shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, I'll have to kind of pay more attention to that as I'm surfing the web, I guess. I know that Harry is a young wizard is that correct is that his title sure yeah yeah something like that and he has friends his friend that's a girl is hermione i think is that mm -hmm. how you say it good pronunciation yeah and then ron he's the redhead right mm -hmm. he is okay that's probably as far as my knowledge goes with harry potter so you don't know just going into it to cover all of our bases you don't know how magic works you don't know about the world itself any plot points, anything like that? I, I know that he lost his parents early. I think you've told me that before. So I did know that before coming into reading these okay. first two chapters. Yeah, that, that leads us really well into um, me kind of running through what the format is. Okay. So for our audience out there, the idea is that every week, Braden and I will get on and we'll have told you uh, what chapters we're reading ahead of time. But we are going to deep dive into somewhere between one and three chapters from the Harry Potter series. And really just going to go through chronologically. So right now we're starting on chapters one and two from Sorcerer's Stone. Now that is the American version, not the British version. So it's not the Philosopher's Stone, which I hope doesn't give anything away to Brayden, because he's probably never heard that phrase before. But um, we're the bulk of our episodes are going to be chapter discussion, really just talking about what's going on in those chapters in terms of plot, in terms of theme, characters. Um, and then we've also got some ideas for different little recurring segments. I would like to force Braden to make some predictions. Hopefully he's not comfortable with that, because if he was, that's not as fun. So how do you feel about uh, predicting things that are definitely going to be wrong, Braden? Pretty uncomfortable, yeah. Good, you know what I want to hear. So we're going to have him uh, make some predictions. We'll hopefully bring in some guests from time to time. Even though Braden doesn't know anything about Harry Potter, that puts him very much in the minority. There are plenty of people out there, and many of my friends who are extremely well-informed on the subject. So I'd love to bring people in either to debate with Brayden or quiz him on things and just generally keep him off balance because we really don't want him falling into too much of a rhythm because then he can't be surprised as easily and scared and totally shocked by things, which is, I think, what we're all here for, honestly. Perfect. So um, can you think of anything else before we jump into chapters one and two of Sorcerer's Stone? I don't think so. Let's do it. All right. Oh, I guess I didn't give my Harry Potter bona fides. Um, without giving too much away to Brayden about the rest of the series, I am someone that has been just a lifelong Harry Potter fan. I started reading Sorcerer's Stone at age six. It was given to me by my aunt when I was in first grade. I stayed the night at my aunt and uncle's house, and they are kind of old and boring, and so all I wanted to do was lay in bed and read Harry Potter. So ever since then, I've just grown up with Harry. I was around for the books being released. I was in high school for the last two for Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. I've read through the books dozens of times. I've seen all the movies 
more than that. I spend hours on Sporkle playing Harry Potter quizzes. I'm, it, it's just really the whole deal. So I will do my best to not spoil Brayden and keep him just still a little bit of an outsider on the outside looking in. But I do want to be able to answer your questions and, and walk through with you as you discover the wizarding world that I have come to absolutely love. Oh, and I just hit something. So that's unfortunate. Um, Ooh, that reminds me of a shout out to Jeremy, producer Jeremy, letting us use his state-of-the-art podcast studio. It's very impressive. We really couldn't do this without him, so thank you to Jeremy. I would also like to thank Rogi because an Amazon box showed up at my house this week, and I opened it, and it was the full set of Harry Potter books. So he bought those for me so that I could read these and go through this with all of you. So thanks, Rogi. I did not realize you were doing that. Well, as it turned out, that is both me, well, it's several things. Me guilting you into never stopping doing this podcast with me. You can't stop now. You have all the books. My and... wife actually pointed that out, so <laughs> she knows you better than I, maybe. She does. It also turns out that it's not really any more cost-effective to buy them separately on Amazon, especially to be able to have them get there in a reasonable amount of time. If you're buying them on Prime, you might as well get them new and might as well get the discount for kind of bundling them all together. So I appreciate that. Now everyone thinks I'm extremely thoughtful and generous, but it was also partially selfish, I have to admit. <laughs> all right, so I am working off a document here, and we're just going to dive into chapter one of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is now, I apologize, I don't have the book in front of me, which is a terrible oversight, but I believe chapter one is The Boy Who Lived. Braden, can you confirm? Confirmed. All right, so what jumps out to you right from the very beginning? We start with Vernon Dursley. Vernon Dursley. So this is the large, portly man with the large mustache, Indeed. correct? That yes. is apparently Harry's uncle. So he is starting to notice um, all these strange things going on around the town that he lives in with the owls and the people wearing cloaks. So that was a bit confusing because it's like, can he see those? Or uh, can everyone else see what he's seeing, or is he just, like, delusional? Interesting. So you didn't know who Vernon Dursley was going into this. You are not sure if you can trust what he's seen, and you don't really know where he fits into the story. Correct. I know, because obviously they mention being related to, because they mention his wife's uh, sister, and that mm -hmm. they, which that is a big question for me, like, why do they hate them so much? Why does his wife want to pretend like his sister doesn't exist? Which I assume those, I mean... Found out through time those are Harry's parents, correct? Yes, yes. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. He, they hate Harry. They hate Harry's parents. Is, is what that's what you've read. That's what's jumped out to you so far from the text. Maybe I don't know. I think the hate would be a good word. They definitely don't, especially um, not to like you said get ahead of ourselves. But in chapter two, that's they're obviously not fond of Harry and don't treat him well. So I, yeah, I'm confused as to what the rift is there between the families. Good. Yeah. So I want to jump into that. What do you see them do, whether that's chapter two, chapter one, especially in chapter one, when you say that Vernon's a portly man, he is someone that hates Harry. What, what in the text uh, leads you to think that? I mean, this is one of the most famous parts of the Harry Potter series and I don't want to give it short shrift. Tell me how much do they frustrate you? What do you like or not like about the Dursleys? Well, chapter two was super annoying in how they treat Harry, especially their son. I wanted to smack him reading this. I'm thinking about um, early on in chapter one as Mr. Dursley's walking back from that some sort of bakery or something. He's got a donut and he hears those people talking about the Potters and their son, Harry. And he says that Mr. Dursley stopped dead. Fear flooded him. He looked back at the whispers as if he wanted to say something to them, but thought better of it. And then tries to kind of bring that home and talk to his wife about it later that night. And it's just a really awkward conversation. Tries to pretend like he doesn't remember Harry at all. Yeah, what does he say? What's his name? Harold or Yeah, Howard. 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 Um, and she, she responds, Harry, nasty common name if you ask me. Oh yes, said Mr. Dursley, his heart sinking horribly. Yes, I quite agree. So there's obviously this like... I don't know if there's a fear of him and his family and or just there's there's been there's some sort of history between the Dursleys and the Potters. And I am interested as to because there's not a ton of insight into what that is. 
Yeah, absolutely. You just start out with, here are these people, they are mean to Harry, now suck it up, reader, figure it out. You don't, they're they're not going to give you anything. You just have to read into the Dursleys as much as you can. I like that quote that you said, nasty common name, as though Dudley Dursley is a better name. (laughs) Yeah, that crossed my mind as well. Like, that's a, that's a bold statement there for someone who named their son Dudley Dursley, but yeah, it just no offense to any listeners out there with the name Dudley. Or Dudley Do Right, the uh, the famous cartoon character. Much preferable to his Dursley counterpart. So um, I'm looking through my notes here. We we talk about what we think of them. You want to smack Dudley for the way he treats Harry. You can tell that they hate Harry. There seems to be fear in there somewhere. So I wanted to ask you, um, why is Harry living with them? And you, you already brought up a little bit, well, we know that Harry's parents are dead, but it seems like there might be a better option than living with the Dursleys. What are your thoughts? Another thing that sort of, I guess, confused me, the conversation between Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall, is that how you say that? I am disappointed in how accurately you pronounce that name, yes. Awesome, yes. Okay. So they have this weird conversation where he puts out all the streetlights and like apparently Professor McGonagall is also a cat. (laughs) And that's never really like explained or any time put into. It's just like she's a cat and now she's a professor. So just go with that. So I did. And then Hagrid comes in and I don't know why, but I love Hagrid. Wow, you already love him. What do you love about Hagrid? He just sort of seems like this huge dope that will do anything for Harry or Dumbledore. And I don't know why that. So that's another huge theme here is that everyone loves Harry. He's like the savior or something. And I I don't know. I don't understand why Voldemort didn't kill him. But why does that make Harry incredible? Because it doesn't I don't feel like the writer or the author makes it sound like Harry like fought him off or anything. So I'm huge question for me. I'm kind of sidetracking here, but why couldn't Voldemort kill Harry? Is this some sort of like Darth Vader, Luke, I'm your daddy type scenario? That's a whole nother trail we could go down. Um, That's the trail. Welcome to Harry Potter series. Um, No, that's great. Is is this a time to make a prediction? That Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. That may be my prediction is somehow Voldemort is related to Harry and couldn't kill him because of that familial relation, maybe, or that's, we'll go with that. That's my first prediction. Excellent. I love it. Voldemort is related to Harry. Now, you're not going to specifically say he's his father or his grandfather or anything like Mm. that, but just that he's blood? I kind of want to say he's his father just for fun. Good. Because if he's, if I'm right, that'll be awesome and hilarious. Yeah. No, that is high risk, high reward, and that's how all of your predictions should be. I love it. Harry is Voldemort's son. That is marked down. It is on the internet now, and you can't get rid of that prediction. I'm into it. Good. So Dursleys, he lives with the Dursleys, and so we got a little bit off track there, which is fine. Why is does he have to go to the Dursleys? It seems like you said right off the top, Hagrid loves Harry. Okay, it is clear yeah. he's crying. Why can't he live with him? Yeah, it's clear that all three of these characters that we meet in the dark on the street are like very concerned about Harry and care for Harry. So why are they not good candidates to take Harry in? I'm sure part of that is that, well, actually I'm not sure because it seems like they are like in this sort of magical realm and Harry isn't right now. So maybe there's some sort of peace to be kept between the two and they can't have Harry crossing over between the two. I I don't know. I don't know how that works, but there are 10 questions I want to ask you all at the same time now. Um, so I have to pick which route I want to take from my planned discussion questions. Um, so we know that he is, he appears to be where he is in the Dursley situation because it's Dumbledore's plan. So that was one a question I had for you. Do you trust Dumbledore? This plan, as we've laid out, he needs to stay with the Dursleys. That is his family and there are apparently no other variables in this decision. So is is this something to be trusted? Dumbledore, the person, is he trustworthy? Does he have Harry's best interests at heart? What do you think? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I guess I sort of just read through this with like subconsciously trusting in Dumbledore without, re- you know, not really realizing I was doing that. 
there's something very trustworthy about his description. You're not going to mistrust a venerable, aged, wizard man with a yeah. beard tucked into his belt. And he's got, like, the half-moon glasses. Of course he does. Why would he not? Yeah, exactly. So I guess, yeah, that description sort of was like, okay, clearly he has, he cares for Harry for some reason, and I'm going to trust him. So maybe, I don't know if that was right or not. But on the topic of trust, if I can go with oh. that for a second. Oh, you can. I thought the quote was super interesting from Dumbledore when the professor slash cat mentioned that she was questioning why he thinks it's wise to trust Hagrid with something as important as this. And he says, I would trust Hagrid with my life. I don't know if that has any significance later on in the story at all, but it sort of seems like one of those quotes that would. Good. Yeah. Two loaded statements. I mean, Professor McGonagall wouldn't say that for no reason. Are you sure it's wise to trust Hagrid with something this important? What does that imply? So Hagrid kind of, it, they kind of make it seem like they're waiting around for him. Like he's late with Harry. So maybe he like is kind of just prone to making, to stumbling around making some mistakes or, I mean, they describe him as this huge guy that's sort of, that's like sobbing into his handkerchief about Harry leaving and will do anything that Dumbledore, like calls Dumbledore sir every time he speaks to him. Like maybe he's just this, sort of dopey servant that has a huge heart but can't be trusted with really important tasks. I don't know. A good-natured oaf. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, good. Um, I like the implication that they're waiting around for Hagrid. Like, all you had to do was get this baby out of a magically destroyed house before the muggles saw you and then ride here on a gigantic motorcycle that flies and is invisible or just flies. Come on, Hagrid, this isn't that hard. Exactly, yeah. So I don't know what the dynamic is between Dumbledore and Hagrid, but it seems like there's some sort of relationship there. I don't know. Good. So you think we're going to maybe hear a little bit more about that in the next 3,000 pages or so? I think so. I would I would bet on it, yeah. Oh, you would bet on it? Are you willing to make a prediction? Um. No, I'm just joking. We don't have to uh, bog down too much in that. We do want to make a couple good predictions in episode, but sure. um, not in every little thing, so... You know, Hagrid, a little thing. Standard Hagrid phraseology. I think I led off with a pretty serious prediction, so. You, you've you surpassed my wildest dream so far. On a <laughs> per prediction basis, you are batting a thousand in terms of the kinds of predictions I want you to make. Okay, that's good. Good. So we are still in the first chapter. Um, is there anything else we want to touch on? I wanted to ask you about... Sort of a broad question. What is magic as far as you can tell? How does magic work? I, I liked something you said. It seems like these wizards exist on some sort of magical plane or in a magical world that maybe Harry isn't in right now. So do you think that we're, this is a parallel universe situation with the magical and non-magical worlds? Or are the magic people, the magic people, the wizards just hiding? What are your thoughts on, on what magic is? How does it work? It sort of seems as though, well, because there's this whole mention of like muggles, right? So people who either are not magic or just can't see the magic around them, I, I'm assuming. And I don't know that it's a different realm per se, but like, it's like there are those who can see and experience and or do magic and those who can't, who would be the muggles. That's what, that's what it feels like to me. Okay. And when we say do magic... <laughs> right. You know, you're a consumer of popular culture. I'm sure you've seen many other representations of magic. What are you expecting here? Is this a Gandalf just yelling at mountains type of magic? Or is this like a, I've never seen Twilight living for a long time as a vampire magic? What are you looking at here? Well, I've seen advertisements for Harry Potter movies that get shown around like Christmas time, and he has a wand. So I'm going to assume it's like that kind of magic. You, the wand kind. You, yeah, obviously the wand kind. You point at things and say weird words and things happen. But also in chapter two, Harry can apparently talk to animals. So that, I mean, that must be a form of magic as well. So. Okay, great. Let's jump into chapter two, which I believe is called the vanishing glass. Yes. So in chapter two, Harry goes to the zoo with the Dursley family. And do you know the name of the other kid that goes with them? Uh, it starts with a P. It's like, it's, um... Don't look. Don't look. Okay. is something Peel, right? His name's Piers, actually. Piers. Yeah, ah. P-I-E-R-S. Piers Polkis. 
which okay. just is the most punchable name. Yeah, he seemed that I don't think they would have had to have told me that that was Dudley's friend, and mm-hmm. I could have just sort of assumed that. He's he's just barely more human than Weasel in my mind, in my mind's eye. Yeah, he, he, his description puts him at a Weasel-type character, I think. I think mm-hmm. that's a, an accurate estimation. So Harry gets to go to the zoo, and why is that? What's what's going on in the non-magical realm, as you put it? Harry only gets to go to the zoo because the Dursleys literally cannot find anyone else to dump him on. The old lady's house that smells like cabbage is apparently unavailable. And so despite Dudley's whining and crying, he somehow gets to ride and go to the zoo with them. So... Clearly, like we were talking about earlier, like just the dislike for Harry's mere presence is um, made pretty obvious. Yeah. What is what do we know about Dudley? He counts his presence. He screams that he got one fewer than last year's. He makes himself cry in order to try to prevent Harry from going with him to the zoo. Yeah, and it kind of describes Harry as Dudley's punching bag when they're at school together. As Dudley is crying and and Mrs. Vernon um, sort of is consoling him, he gives kind of the evil half smile um, to Harry through her arms and just another moment where you'd love to just punch him. Yeah, not to get too much into the very broad what do you like about the writing kind of question, but I think this is a great example of a relatable character. I mean, we all know someone who is just spoiled and who knows it and knows that they can get away with things. And that makes Dudley eminently hateable to anyone. But I mean, I can imagine Baron Trump reading this and he's like, oh, Harry, what a jerk. He's spoiling Dudley's day. (laughs) But to anyone else. Yeah, good point. That's a good reference. (laughs) We're nothing if not topical here at the Muggles Perspective. Any thoughts on uh, Dudley being so, so spoiled, so relatably hateable? Other than that he is that. No, not really. Ooh, do you see any redemption possible for Dudley, for the Dursley family? Is there reconciliation down the line? Maybe Harry and Dudley are rubbing arms and just going out and fighting Voldemort by the fourth book. What do you think? I don't think so. To me, it feels like the Dursleys in general will sort of fade away. I could be really dropping the ball here with that. That's kind of another um, 50-50 prediction there. But I don't know. To me... They're just a device to show how Harry's like poor upbringing and like the where he comes from and that we can sort of all get on Harry's team because he's so mistreated yet doesn't really complain too much about it. So you find yourself to be on Harry's team? Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty. I feel like that's the writer's intention, obviously, from the beginning. And obviously... It's tough to um, get on the team of the Dursleys. The main character's sleeping in a cupboard and he can talk to a snake, and his hair apparently uh, is ever-growing. So yeah, I've, those check all of my boxes. I'm a fan. <laughs> You're like, wow, I had some very specific boxes, and this just happens to check them. It's got the snake talking. It's got the ever-growing hair. Wow, how specific. He's He's got a lightning rod scar. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about both of those things. The um, cupboard, about the whole cupboard situation, I have one question. So he sleeps in a cupboard under the stairs. Is this scenario overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Do we make a big enough deal about the fact that my dude Harry Potter is 11 years old, 10 years old, 10 years old, and sleeping in a cupboard under the stairs? To me, it was like, don't they go on to describe how small he is? Like, that's kind of a point of description for Harry is like, he's very scrawny. I think he said he had like knobbly knees or something was the description. Like, just a really tiny kid. Mm -hmm. Um so that's all I took it for was just like, he's so small, he can sleep in a cupboard. Okay, um, so overrated. Because as you may know, the boy from the cupboard under the stairs, that is a staple in the fame of Harry Potter. It, the back of the book, it just reads, Harry Potter, the you know mistreated child who had to sleep in a broom closet under the stairs. And, oh, woe is me. And whenever you go into an older house and you see a broom cupboard, invariably someone makes a joke about Harry Potter. So you think that is overrated. Oh, it's just a reasonably sized bedroom for a small person. I am sensing that I am not giving it the credit it deserves. No, no, this is, it's not something that is some huge plot point going forward. I just didn't know what you thought. You think overrated, which is, is a fun twist. I was expecting 
maybe properly rated or underrated, but hey, overrated. I I disagree. I would say underrated, but only because I am terrified of spiders. I am not here for that. He has to reach under his bed to get socks that then have spiders on them. What does that say about the quantity of spiders under his bed? Yeah, so that is a good point. When I was really young, I used to get nightmares about tarantulas. So yeah, that's a great point. That is maybe it is underrated just because of the spiders. Well, to each his own, certainly. But I can tell you that that is a part of Harry Potter's life that I personally would try to be avoiding. So we've got the cover under the stairs, the lightning scar. You like the lightning bolt scar. What do you think about the scar? I am wondering if that is... So am I reading it right and thinking that that is like a mark that Voldemort left on him? Are you allowed to answer that? I can certainly confirm that he, as a baby is given that scar and as Dumbledore says even if he could get rid of it he would not scars can be useful that scar did come as a result of the interaction between Voldemort and Harry during his babyhood okay yeah so obviously the scar is going to be a pretty important detail going forward in the story obviously i don't i don't really have any insight as to what that means or why it's going to be important but we are early on so i don't blame you for that but i will try to coax something more than that out of you as we go forward i'm expecting that yeah good as far as the dursleys they take harry to the zoo now does anything happen on the way to the zoo that you can recall uh they're talking oh a motorcycle goes cruising by right is that on the way home or the way there i believe it's on the way there though you're the one with the book in front of you yeah you're right so a motorcycle goes cruising by and Harry is bold enough to say that he had a dream about a flying motorcycle, which we know from chapter one, that's what Hagrid came in on. And that lights Uncle Vernon up, tells him that uh, he tells Harry that motorcycles do not fly, screams that at him. So it's obviously an uncomfortable ride there. I think Harry's kind of reminded that nobody in that family really wants to hear him talk at all yeah so um he harry seems to say i i know motorcycles can't fly i was telling you it was just a dream so i like that aspect of vernon's outburst which is just that it's not even reasonable harry is like this is you're clearly being unreasonable here it's obvious that you're just upset at me because it's me so that's kind of good. I was hoping to relate that. Now, my memory must have failed me. I thought that that was where we came up to the recollection about Harry with the flash of green light. Now, that was under the cupboard in bed, was it not? That he was able to strain his memory and remember a flash of green light that goes back. This is a, a talking point you specifically wanted to discuss. Yes, I'm reading it right here. He says, He'd lived with the Dursleys almost 10 years, 10 miserable years, as long as he could remember, ever since he'd been a baby and his parents had died in that car crash. He couldn't remember being in the car when his parents had died. Sometimes, when he strained his memory during long hours in his cupboard, he came up with a strange vision, a blinding flash of green light and a burning pain on his forehead. This, he supposed, was the crash, though he couldn't imagine where all the green light came from. So that was... I feel like that foreshadowing something and i the pain on his doesn't his scar like light up i think i've seen that in a commercial before so maybe that's where he gets his magical powers is from the scar so he doesn't do wand magic he just glares at people and scar lasers them so maybe the scar is the source of the magical power and it manifests itself through the wand pointing okay interesting so harry Ooh, so are you claiming, in your head, Harry wouldn't be able to perform magic were it not for this scar? Well, so that, yeah, that could be one way, like, maybe. This is good radio. (laughs) You can hear me thinking. No, because why would, if, in my mind, if Harry could do magic without the scar, man, I'm really lost in it now. No, that's okay. I wouldn't want you to have all the answers at this point. We're two chapters into hundreds. It just all sort of ties back to like, why didn't Voldemort kill him? That was the biggest question that came out of these two chapters for me. Well, don't um, worry. We'll, we'll find that out in another two or three chapters. It'll be fine. Okay. So, but to go back to your question, what, what does the green light have to do with anything? 
What is the green light? Can you picture a car crash and a scene flooded with green light? That's how he was orphaned, right? That's what his aunt and uncle tell him. It was a car crash. Ah, so maybe some hmm, green light. Does Voldemort have anything to do with green light? Does Voldemort have anything to do with green light? (laughs) I'm thinking maybe there's a connection there. Okay, Voldemort equals green light. I like it. That's Um, what I said, yeah. Let's uh, move to the zoo itself. Now, we don't want to gloss over any details, um, but obviously the big, the main attraction here is the snake. Um, before that, Harry gets to eat some ice cream. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Which, Only uh, Dudley's leftovers, right? He, yeah, he gets some of Dudley's leftovers. He also gets a lemon ice that the he only got because the ice cream vendor asked him what he wanted before the Dursleys could shoo him away from the ice cream parlor. Correct. And then he gets into the reptile room, and that is where things really start to happen. What did you think of this scene? So this is where, this is another big question for me, is like, what what are the depths of this apparent magic that Harry has? So we know his hair never stops growing. He can apparently jump incredible heights because I think it mentioned that Dudley and his friends were chasing him at school and like he ended up on the chimney and got in trouble for that. Absolutely. So Normal. yeah, superhuman jumping ability hair that never stops growing not sure if that's a benefit but whatever and then can talk to animals we find out i don't know what this means it's obviously i feel like it's going to be important but the snake winks at him he winks back they apparently have some sort of like conversation without words (laughs) and and then the glass vanishes and the boa constrictor can get out yeah, so the glass vanishes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember there being mention of a wand up to this point. So somehow Harry has this conversation, and the glass disappears. Is this a direct result of Harry? Is there a cat professor lurking in the background to vanish the glass away? What do you think? Mm, okay, good point. So if it is Harry, which I guess I'm assuming, then that pokes a hole in my wand theory. So yeah, maybe the scar. So so maybe Harry has some sort of mind powers here. Good. Who doesn't want to, to be on the side of a hero who was abused as a child and has scar mind powers? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm certainly on that side. Good. So I'm running through my questions here. You're, we're not scared of Harry. I find this to be interesting. Harry can talk to snakes. The snake doesn't attack him. The snake thanks him. And you're just like, yeah, cool, nice job, Harry. Good, good magic. Well done. Well, I mean, from the little I did know about Harry Potter and talking to you, and then just the the first chapter, I guess, like it's obvious that Harry is different. There's something about Harry that all of these people in town wearing cl- the nod muggles are like viewing him as this like savior. So yeah, I guess at this point, looking forward, I'm expecting bizarre things from Harry. So Good. the snake thing, yeah, it was very strange and interesting, but it didn't make me like, oh, what the heck? Why can he do that? Like, clearly there's something different and magical about Harry. Sure. Well, I hate to uh, spoil the fun for you, but Harry's going to live an extremely boring and uneventful life from this point forward. So might might be rough for you if you're looking for bizarre, <laughs> bizarre happenings. But um, I mean... I'm, j- I'm joking, obviously. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there was something else I wanted to ask you. Um, so as we sort of circle back to the writing as a whole, did you like these first chapters? Did you not? Um, there were a couple things I wanted to ask you specifically, um, even just like fun lines that I picked out that I um, thought we could have a good discussion on. So the first one I wanted to ask, we keep going back to the people around town, these guys in cloaks. It, it seems to be one of the things on the top of your mind. People think Harry's different. He's a savior. I've heard you say that a couple times. But very specifically, on page three, so if you can flip back to page three, in the second paragraph, there is a described traffic jam. So Uncle Vernon gets into his normal traffic jam on the way to work, which is not surprising. That happens to people in cities as they go to work. But... For I was a little bit surprised upon rereading this part. He's in a traffic jam and just sees and hears people all around him. How many traffic jams do you get into on a weekly basis that are in a heavily foot-trafficked suburban area? Hmm. So you're thinking, you're you're kind of insinuating that, like, 
you know, to my earlier point that maybe we don't know if uh, Mr. Dursley is like delusional or not, or if we can trust what he's seeing. Is that kind of the the point you're making? Oh, it can be. I was just more um, interested in the writing itself. We see Harry, or we see um, Uncle Vernon on in a traffic jam, and I'm picturing sort of downtown in the middle of a city where people would be walking in and out of stores. And if you want to, if th- you think this might have plot implications, then absolutely. I was just thinking in terms of, wow, he's in a traffic jam, and he happens to be right next to you know a bakery and a a coffee shop where there are people huddling around most when I think of a traffic jam, I think of the interstate. What about you? Unless you're thinking of like New York city where like, you know, it's bumper to bumper taxis everywhere, that kind of thing. I guess it could be. Um, it's never made extremely explicit where in England, um, the Dursleys live to my knowledge. I have not delved into the exact geography of their address, but this could be a London or New York type, like you said, situation where it really is bumper to bumper in the city. So I hadn't considered that. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I kind of glossed over that, but that may be, I don't know, maybe that's important. I mean, I was just reading with a fine tooth comb, so feel free to just be thinking about the bigger picture things. And then I'm going to hit you with some extremely specific detail that may or may not mean anything. Um, Moving on, moving on. What did you think of names in general? We talked a little bit about Dudley and Piers. What about Dumbledore and McGonagall? Even I loved the name of Uncle Vernon's business. I don't know if you remember, it's called Grunnings. They make (laughs) drills. What do you think about these names? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know how to describe or what the, the correct term for this is. It's like the names, the, the way they sound, like either the harshness or the, just the way they come out of your mouth kind of almost helps you envision what the character might look like. Sort of like an onomatopoeia of a name. There you go. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Because, I mean, and I have to admit, like, I have seen what some of these characters look like from the movie. So maybe that was part of my, you know, as I'm like picturing all this in my head. But I don't remember, I haven't seen the this this particular book's movie, so I don't know what the Dursleys look like or anything like that. I mean, they describe, obviously, Dudley's like this fat, blonde-headed kid that just sucks. But, um... <laughs> yeah, that was one of my next points was physical features. We hear Dudley described as fat, blonde-headed, and sucks. And Uncle Vernon is a large man with virtually no neck and a large mustache. Um, do you think that, or how do you think J.K. Rowling uh, does at correlating someone's physical features to their personality? It's, yeah, I think that seems to be like part of J.K.'s writing style, just that like she sort is it's a she, right? It is female? a she, yes. Yeah, certainly. female? Yeah, she's often referred to as Joe, actually, at this point. She originally used J.K. because the publishers were worried that with a woman's name, they wouldn't sell as many copies. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay, well, so Joe sort of uses physical description to, I feel like, plant the seed of like whether or not you're going to like this character, which sounds like shallow, but I don't, that's not how I mean it. Like, it's, like you said, like the Dursleys are, are their personalities sort of are correlated to their physical descriptions, if that makes sense. Yeah, so Aunt Petunia is someone we haven't really touched on too much to this point. She is quite the opposite of Uncle Vernon. Skin and bones with a long neck. I picture almost a a bird lady. Right. Do you think that correlates to her personality? Yeah, I do. Like all of her conversations that we get to listen in on, I guess, as the reader, she's like very sharp spoken, doesn't seem to be a very pleasant woman. Yeah, she's snippy with Harry, but she definitely dotes on and mothers Dudley, almost like a mother hen, if we were really trying to stretch the bird metaphor, I suppose. Yeah, uh, you've definitely got me picturing a, a bird now, so. My only goal is for you to now think that Harry's just raised by, like, a flamingo lady for the rest of Right, well, and, and Harry does, um, it does say that Harry uh, at the zoo sees the gorillas and kind of likens them to Dudley or maybe Mr. Dursley, one of the two. But so I'm, yeah, I'm picturing Harry is being raised by a gorilla and a bird. Good. And he lives in a broom closet and he is, his best friends are all spiders. So it seems like things are going really well for Harry. At least he has his laser scar. Correct. 
And so now it's like, why does Dumbledore and the cat slash professor and Hagrid, why do they have to like keep him under wraps with the muggles? Why do they? Dumbledore gives a little bit of an explanation to cat professor McGonagall. He says, well, we don't want Harry getting a big head. Can you imagine growing up in a wizarding world where every child will know his name? Do you think that's enough of a justification for forcing him to go through borderline, if not full-out abuse? I guess so, but to me, like, it doesn't say that Voldemort died. So it, it, this, the start of this book has planted the idea in my head that Voldemort has, like, terrorized this group of, I don't know if it's the wizard population, and be, for some reason, because he didn't kill Harry, everyone can celebrate. So... In my mind, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean for Voldemort then? Why it's like they can breathe easy now because he didn't kill a baby? I don't know. Like a break in, a break in his character, and now they, they, he's shown his weakness or something? I, I don't know. Interesting, interesting. So it does, um, when we see the conversation between Dumbledore and McGonagall, which is going to be in late chapter one, I would say about pages 12 and 13. Um, they do talk a little bit about this interaction in which M Professor McGonagall is plying Dumbledore with questions, trying to get him to to ease her mind. Is it true, Professor Dumbledore? Did this really happen? They're saying the Potters. Now, do you see anything in that section that maybe gives you a little bit of a hint as to what has become of Voldemort? They're saying he tried to kill the Potter's son, Harry, but he couldn't. He couldn't kill that little boy. No one knows why or how, but they're saying that when he couldn't kill Harry Potter, Voldemort's power somehow broke, and that's why he's gone. And Dumbledore nods glumly. Why glumly? The best um, kind of nod. Yeah. You yeah. can't see me, but I'm nodding glumly. <laughs> I just assumed you were. That's fine. I still don't understand why just the act of not killing a baby means his power is broken. Well, if you understood that, you would be hundreds and hundreds of pages ahead of yourself. So that's, that's, just <laughs> that's fine. fine. I, I'm just, as I come out of the second chapter, these are the questions that I am wanting to find the answers to. Good. We, we want you, Joe and I want you to have questions. We, uh, we appreciate your interest and your inquisitiveness. I am, I think we have mostly hit on the topics that I wanted to cover. There's a couple other quotes I did want to bring to your attention, just as mostly quotes that I liked that I thought you might also chuckle at. For instance, on page three in the first paragraph, it's describing Uncle Vernon at work, and he manages to sit with his back to the window, preventing him from seeing owls and people, um, in, more people in cloaks, his least favorite people, apparently. Yes. And in that paragraph, it says, Uncle Vernon had a good morning. He yelled at five different people. <laughs> what does this tell you about Uncle Vernon? I see him as some sort of, well, does it say that he owns this drill store? Or, he just, or is he just like a manager there? He is, to the best of my copious understanding a manager at Grunning, but he is not the owner. Okay, so I just sort of see him as like, he thinks he runs the place, and he is some sort of like manager there that likes ordering people around and likes the sound of his own voice. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's going to play out in his relationship with Harry? Hmm, I feel like Harry somehow is going to get out of the Dursley home and Harry doesn't seem like the revenge type, but maybe, maybe, maybe kind of put Mr. Dursley in his place somehow. Okay, good. So we get to put Mr. Dursley in his place, maybe vanish the glass from his reading glasses or something. There you go. That'll be good. Yeah. That is most of what we wanted to touch on. So do you have any closing thoughts, Brayden, as we head into the wrap up portion of this inaugural episode? Um, I don't think so. I think your questions have pretty much enticed me to ask all my questions and answer with what will assuredly end up being ridiculous answers as we look back on these in the future. I am, I did want the only, cause I'm looking at my notes that I have and 
you probably can't answer this, but I just have written what's with all the owls. <laughs> Why are owls important? Um, what are your owl thoughts right now? If you had to take a guess, there are a lot of owls flying around because... Because they aid in Harry's escape from the Dursleys. Harry is going to jump on a flying raft of owls, a la Nemo when he gets into that current that's taking him to Australia for some reason. Precisely. Harry just surfs away into the night, lighting the way with his illuminated scar. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Good. That doesn't seem that far out of what could, could actually happen in my mind. But. That's awesome. I want you to have a have big expectations for Harry. That's going to be great. So um, we've got a couple segments that we want to sort of briefly introduce to the listener. Since we're just in the very nascent stages of recording this illustrious podcast, we don't have quite enough content to fill them in yet, but they are things that we can definitely be looking forward to. So the first section, the first, uh, excuse me, segment is called Crystal Ball. So this is where Braden makes predictions, and we recap what predictions he has made to this point. Has he been right? Has he been wrong? How right? How wrong? So on and so forth. So as we obviously remember at the highlight of this episode, Braden predicted that Voldemort is Harry Potter's father. Am I getting that right, Braden? Yeah. Yep. Let's go with that. Good. So Voldemort is Harry's dad is our first crystal ball prediction, and then the keynote prediction I wanted to ask from you, we've kind of hit on actually. What kind of magic do you expect to see going forward in Harry's immediate and his long-term future? Yeah, so obviously Harry doesn't really realize that he has this power at this point. And in my mind, it's something to do with this scar that was left by Voldemort. And I think that he will start to understand Uh, I think weird things like uh, what happened with the snake at the zoo will continue to happen, and he will eventually use that to hopefully get back at Dudley somehow. I think we would all enjoy that. But then eventually escape from the Dursleys. I feel like Voldemort isn't just going to go away. Obviously, I know that. So something has to happen where Harry is going to have to essentially take hold of his powers, understand how to use them, and eventually face off with Voldemort. That's that's a big, long-range, like, prediction, I guess. Yeah, no, that is definitely long-term. You answered every part of it. In his immediate future, we're looking at little dribs and drabs of accidental occurrences, and I'm, I'm hearing very practical magic from you. Harry is going to use his magic to do this, to escape, to enact revenge. So... Um, Not very specific predictions yet, but hopefully we can see that revenge, we can see that escape happen and come about so that you can get the catharsis that you want from this whole Dursley situation. The other segment we wanted to sort of pitch is called Brayden's Beef. So this is a section where Brayden complains about something. Now, don't get me wrong, dear listeners, this is not him complaining about the Harry Potter books. Oh, I just hated this. This can be something that was supposed to annoy him, right? We've heard him complain about Dudley already. He just wants to be punched. He wants Harry to get revenge on Dudley. So that's been some good complaining. Um, But we do want to set aside this time for if Braden has any other rants to go on. I'm not, not expecting anything from him just yet. But as we go forward, if something builds up that has been a frustrating situation, or if there's one little thing that's just really itching at you to complain about, this is the time that I want to give you to exercise that anger. Well, I appreciate you creating that space for me. Love to elaborate on any beefs I have. I don't really have any huge complaints as we are just uh, pretty early into this book. I've already kind of voiced my displeasure with Dudley. I, I also just really don't like his parents. And I know they are created to annoy me. That's kind of the idea with those characters. As of right now, it's like a lot of little weird things that I'm supposed to be confused about. The owls, the green light in his head, the apparent ability to talk to animals. It's all just like so random. So that's a pretty weak beef this week, but we're we're pretty early into this, obviously. So 
I uh, logged into this spreadsheet that that Rogi has created for our our show, that just kind of the the layout of our show. Which, mind you, those of you um, as you get to know Rogi, you'll realize this is Rogi to a T. Just the idea of like taking this podcast and putting 100% of his heart and soul into it. Awesome quality and a friend. But the fact that you gave me a segment and titled it Braden's Beef, hilarious, but also just like I hope that the the book will give me things to just like. Because in my mind, uh, you know, there's probably not that many listeners out there that watch these ridiculous shows on Sports Center or Fox Sports or whatever it is that just allow grown men to argue with each other for hours. But this will be my chance to see what that feels like, I guess, on the internet. Is just point out something that I that kind of annoys me. Except I won't be getting paid for it like they will. But that's kind of what I envision this to be. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, you know. Rome wasn't built in a day. You do have to start somewhere. That is an excellent transition into our sort of wrap-up time. So if you have enjoyed what you've heard so far on a muggle's perspective, please subscribe to the podcast feed, whether that is via RSS or Pendine. iTunes, um, we would love to have your subscription. We'd love to have you get, rate us with five stars and review. That is the best way to up our profile and give us exposure to more people who might enjoy hearing Braden's confusion and incredibly bold predictions. So we would greatly appreciate that. Tell your friends so far, everyone that is going to listen to this episode in the next week or after it releases is probably someone that knows me personally. So that is the best thing that we're going to do right now is just try to evangelize word of mouth a little bit. I do want to put out there the email address at which you can contact Muggles Perspective, which is mugglesperspective at gmail.com. If you have suggestions for future segments, for specific topics of conversation, if there is anything that you want to hear about specifically, please feel free to email us there. Or if you just want to compliment us and how beautiful Braden's voice sounds as you fall asleep, we would love to hear from you in that format we have also created a facebook page which would be a great way for you to interact with us you guys do not know Braden as well as i do at least not yet but i can tell you that he is highly unlikely to just stumble onto facebook and happen to peruse this page for hours at a time so that's a great chance for you to give me feedback directly or oh, I can't believe he said this, you know, in a way that would prevent him from being any further spoiled than he already is. So a good way to interact with us would be on Facebook. Also, if you would like to see us branch out to other social media platforms, such as Instagram or Twitter, our email address and our Facebook account would be great places to let us know those things. We haven't talked a lot about who we are personally yet. I'm sure you will hear about plenty of that as we go forward and get more comfortable with the format, but... You should know that neither of us are doing this as a career by any means. We both work full-time, so this is a passion project more than anything else. Um, we are not people that are going to be able to spend hours and hours and hours planning things out. We are very fortunate to have Jeremy here so that we can have as professional of a setup as we do, but we rely, we'll, we'll rely on you guys for some content to some extent and being able to generate some word of mouth and, and get this out to more and more people who can hopefully enjoy this labor of love. So is there anything else, any other closing remarks, Braden, that you have before we sign off from our lovely listeners? Nope. You've covered it. Thanks for having me. I look forward to this. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be very much fun as well. We are looking at about an every other week recording schedule, which is not incredibly strict, so it could be a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on everyone's availability so keep your eye on the a muggles perspective feed and we look forward to talking to you again